Good afternoon. The calm Christian here yet again, in your face, asking you to keep calm and carry on. And just having plain fun. Adding his two cents, his two crypto coin cents, to the mix, to the fray. I thank you, I thank these people uh, for allowing me to do a podcast with all the cool music. If you could get some sound effects that I can put in there like that, one where the rapper scratches the record. I guess if I had a really professional outfit here, I'd probably have that. But that's funny because I can think of some things I want to say and then I want to have that scratchy rapper record sound when somebody's thoughts go completely crazy. That would make people laugh. I want to read something here to you. Um, then I'll tell you why. Time to have some fun. Luke twenty-two twenty-four. But there was also rivalry among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. When I was young, I saw the Ten Commandments movie with Yul Brenner and Charleston Heston. Wasn't that a great flippin' movie? Don't you like when Yul Brenner used to say, so let it be written, so let it be done. He was like the brown-skinned version of Telly Savalas, but I think he was a little bit thinner. He was like Lex Luthor. But, you know, I was used to the part where the Israelites go across the Red Sea, the Red Sea, and there was this towering, massive walls of water over them, and they're walking in the dust or the, or the ground of what was the Red Sea, where the water was, and they're walking through all of this, and maybe it's muddy, maybe it's filthy, they're slogging through this mud, but it was cool to think, what would happen if that water crashed down on them? But it never did. And then, Mr. Yule Brenner sends his chariots uh, into the Red Sea, and they're galloping, and he wants the Israelites to come back, and they get the last person out of that Red Sea, the last Hebrew person in the movie, of course. Maybe these actors, most of them were not Jewish, but anyways. And then the water comes crashing back down on the whole kitten caboodle, chariots flying, horses flying, somebody's underwater. I don't know how they did that. No animal was harmed in the making of this movie. And then Mr. Yule Brenner, now at the top of the mountain on the other side, watching his entire army being decimated and putting his hands over his head and going, Arr! because now he has to go back home to the wife who hates him. He lost his firstborn son. And now he has to explain to the board of directors. <laughs> I came up with that all on my own. There's no script in front of me. He has to explain to those guys. 
Egypt that Pharaoh misplaced the entire army. <laughs> they got lost in a quote boating accident. <laughs> Unquote. I'm sorry, I must push through this. Because this is serious business, folks. That's the way I read the Bible. That's the way I learned it. And that's the way I like it. Because there's no way that these ragtag bunch of people, like in Battlestar Galactica, could have possibly made it across this sea with Pharaoh's army right behind. And then about three, four years ago, lo and behold, I hear the story of the Reed Sea. So instead of the Red Sea, R-E-D, silent E, as Fred Flintstone would say, silent E, everything has a silent E behind it. Uh, I hear the story about the Reed Sea, R-E-E-D. And in the Reed Sea, they're not in the same location. And the Israelites have gone to a different place in reality and gone walking through some puddle or some mud puddle or some really shallow water. And that's really what the story was about. And I'm blown away by this. And this is something that my own Baptist mentor, who's a man of great faith, is telling me, the Reed Sea. And I know that he's not a disbeliever, but I'm just blown away. The Red Sea, Yul Brenner, his whole army gets creamed, and the Reed Sea, maybe we got our ankles wet. It was kind of like, I don't know, maybe a little baptism. You know, maybe everybody got baptized. You were kind of wading through the water. We got the cattle and the, and, and, and the families and the babies and the you know, the carts with the wheels that come off and we put the wheels back on, but we were just in kind of a gigantic mud puddle, you know, kind of like we're pigs wading through a mud puddle. And I was blown away by this. And my first reaction is, okay, this is liberalism. This is progressive Christianity doubting what God's word says. And I must fight this and defend this. And I had no conversations with my Baptist mentor or anybody about this, but I was blown away. There was a guy that I used to read. I had his commentaries. I don't have them anymore for some reason called Barclay. Barclay was some kind of minister in the Church of Scotland. Um, he did not, he believed in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I don't think he believed in the model that is the Trinity. And he is very well-written, really gets words, a master with words, what they mean, what the word means in Greek. I know some of you who are pretty serious about reading commentaries must have read or heard about William Barclay's commentary of the New Testament. Like they are an excellent set of books if you want to have a commentary of scripture. Although it's advised for you to read scripture first, always. And this guy said that, you know, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, whatever it was, uh, that what happens is he just pulled out some fish and then other people got an idea to share their food and that's where we got all that from. Jesus didn't actually make more fishies. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed, but transferred from one form to another. Fishies could, cannot be transferred from one form to another, but they have to be created because there's no way that we could have had all that people fed from five little fishies or whatever it was, 4,000 and then 5,000, whatever. And there's another one where Jesus is walking on the water and Barclay is saying something like, oh, well, he was walking in a very shallow, 
bit of the sea. He came around the boat and he freaked out all the disciples. I mean, he was actually saying this. It wasn't a miracle like a supernatural um, intervention where God momentarily suspends the laws of physics. Like Jesus is not walking in a little puddle. He's walking on top of a very deep, um, a very deep lake. If you've all seen the animal videos, there's this little dragon thing that can run across the water really, really fast on top of the water. And it goes so fast, it's like he's walking on the water. We assume Jesus was not sprinting when he was <laughs> walking across the water. <laughs> of course, Peter get, came out and maybe Peter was sprinting. And then he looked down. He said, what the French fry? Looked down and began to sink because he lost his faith. Here's the thing, folks. I honestly don't care. I really don't care anymore what your hermeneutic is. I really don't have to defend one side of the Bible. I don't have to get into these dogfights. Pick your battles, pick your poison. I will always believe in what I first was taught, but I always want to respect new, new hermeneutics, new ways of thinking, as long as it's about the Bible. I don't really care if you're a progressive Christian or not. The only thing is, do you love Jesus? Do you want to be an other-centered human being? Do you want to promote Jesus? Do you want to promote God? Do you want to read the Bible and let people decide what, what hermeneutic they have? Or do you got to fight about what you believe? Is your go-to, is your primary thing Jesus Christ of Nazareth and God and salvation by faith and doing good works through the power of the Holy Spirit? Not to be saved, but because you are saved? Or is it about promoting your particular hermeneutic, your particular deal? I really don't care, to be honest, because as I get older and older, I think I have to decide what battle I want to be part of. And when I think about some of the things I've done, all in the name of God, I've always wanted to do what is right. But as I journey later in life, and as I want to see God, I realize I have to give grace to other people. I have to apply law for myself and grace to others. Grace to you, as John MacArthur would say. And if you feel the same way that I do, you may be a progressive Christian. You may be somebody who does believe in the Reed Sea, but you like what I have said, you like my openness, and you want to extend that to me. There may be self-centered Christians who have to apply uh, law to others and grace to themselves. They get a pass and they feel even entertaining another hermeneutic like the Reed Sea is that I, the calm Christian, am a liberal. I am not defending scripture. I am violating the very tenet of scripture, which is faith, which is believing that the God of the supernatural can do anything. And for me to even be saying this to somebody is an act of war and aggression against the, the, the Bible, right? Shots fired. There are people who proof text verses, they lift them out of context and they build all kinds of weirdness into them. And I'm sure that's in a lot of different denominations Christian or counterfeit Christian, whatever you want to call it. And there are people who say that they're really reading the scripture, but it's their opinion. 
to me, reading scripture is if you want to mine scripture, if you want to get every verse that's about a topic, about whatever it is, hell and death and other stuff, go to every verse in the Bible you find, get those scriptures, write them on a piece of paper, or write them down on an email or a Word document, and then say, Lord, what do I do with this? And think about it and pray about it and come to your own. I think that's the best way to do, the best way to do it. Just get every flipping thing you can, right? But I have come to realize I don't care if you believe in the Red Sea or the Reed Sea. I apply law to myself and grace to you because I'm thinking that's the only way we are ever going to get along with each other anymore. Because if not, we are going to be continually fighting and arguing and fighting about the weeds. As Mark Driscoll said, it is so easy, and he's a pastor, right? He's in Arizona. I like his sermons, I like him, he's kind of punchy. He's a little testosterone, but I like his scrappy style. And, but you don't have to. But he says, we Christians, we get lost in the weeds. So we're busy fighting about the Red Sea or the Reed Sea, and it's the, we're really busy in the weed sea. Now, when I say I don't care, it doesn't mean that I'm apathetic about going for the truth. Because I think that I've tried to do the podcast to show that I'm open and to show God it is not my gospel to go after people and force them to be like me or to judge them wrongly. I could judge them wrongly, but God and Jesus are the only ones whose matter and opinion count when deciding who's a Christian, who's not a Christian, who gets to the new creation, and who dies in Revelation 19 verse 11, or Revelation 20 verses 9, or whenever. God is the one who has the final arbitration of judgment, because God is building a kingdom where he is sovereign, where everybody in that kingdom, and I would like to be there, puts him first. Where God's will is not not something that you have to feign or force or strain out a gnat to swallow a camel. It's something that flows out of you like the force from Star Wars. You just naturally do it. And I think that's being loving and other-centered. That's caring about people rather than worrying about what the people think about this or that. Jesus turned around in Luke 9 verses 55 um, because they were very angry that somebody was teaching something that wasn't quite, um, they were angry that a village did not receive Jesus in verse 53 actually. They did not receive him, i.e. Jesus, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? And, you know, they were well-meaning, you know, they rejected, the people in the village rejected Jesus. They didn't like that. They, they wanted to preserve him. They wanted to preserve him from the rejection. They wanted to, they wanted people to believe him like they did. They wanted to tell the truth and they wanted everybody to say, hey, gee, thanks so much. 
we really love Jesus. We're all going to be Christians now. Thanks for coming by. We, wow, our life, we, we didn't get it before, you know. Everything sucked, and now you put it totally into perspective. And I'm getting the feeling that it was the exact opposite. It's like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, see you later. What's up, doc? No, 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 no. You know, as somebody said, the new religion is, th- is the religion of apatheism. The two commandments are, I don't know if there is a God, number two, and I don't care. And I guess number three, you could find, if there is a God or whatever's up there, I'll find out when I die. Those are the three robotic laws of the new religion called apatheism. I don't care. I don't know if there's a God and I'll find out later when I die. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Get lost. But Jesus turns around in verse 55 and he says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. You can only do so much. Don't make enemies of allies. And if people don't care about your Jesus and don't care about your God, you don't have to tell them you're not responsible to make people like you. Leave it to God. Do your rest. Do your best and leave the rest to God. If you want revival, if you want society to change, don't preach that. Just live it. And somebody else who sees your life and really wants that too, they'll catch wind of it. Because people don't care what you know. They want to see how much you care. You start with words, but people want to see actions. I've spoken to many people in my life, and I try to be friendly. My mother used to say uh, a poem to me. She used to say, I went to find friends and none could I find. I went out to be a friend (laughs) and many were there to be found. I've had many conversations where I try to ask people questions or I say God, and they see a shirt that I'm wearing in the gym or something like that. Maybe they don't say anything to me, but they saw my shirt. I have a blue shirt, it's kind of faded, but I'm in the gym with that shirt because I decided I would not be ashamed of my savior who died for me. And it says, preach the gospel, sometimes use words. God bless you all. Have a wonderful afternoon.